Welcome to Wild Mystery Podcast Appears, where we discuss mysteries, histories, and occasionally conspiracies. I'm your host, Ollie. And I'm your co-host, Belle. And today, we are discussing the second Bigfoot episode, I think. <laughs> Again, today's trigger warnings are conspiracies, attacks, evolution, denial, and bad science. Lots of that in this part. Yeah. <laughs> so, just the continuation of last week, and if you haven't listened to that one, please be sure to go check that one out. We hope you enjoy this extra long season. The opinions expressed in this podcast are the sole views and opinions of Belle and Ollie with a Wild Mystery Podcast appears. These views are not intended to harm, offend, defame, slander, or negatively represent any individuals involved in a case. In 2001, a youth group led by Jim Mills was camping in the Marble Mountain Wilderness in California when Mills noticed a strange-looking creature sulking along a ridge nearby. They started filming, um, as per usual, this is low quality grainy film, <laughs> but it is, uh, seven minutes long, the longest video of an alleged Bigfoot sighting in existence, I guess, which, man. In 2007, Rick Jacobs, a hunter, finds footage on a camera he had mounted on a tree in the Allegheny National Forest in Pennsylvania. Skeptics say what he captured is a bear with mange, but believers say that there is clear footage on the camera of bear cubs and that they can tell this isn't a bear. Now, if you want to head on over to my little photos oh, file, I did, I couldn't find any of the actual footage, but I did find some, yeah, which I look at that. It does look weird, but I'm pretty sure it look it looks like a bear to me. <laughs> some bear yoga. When was this? 2007? Sorry, what month? Uh, it doesn't say. Is Pennsylvania known for black bears? I would assume so. There's lots of fucking black bears in the U.S. Well, because I'm thinking, so, <laughs> those of you who've never been to Alaska, our grizzly bears are fucking ginormous, but our black bears tend to be a lot smaller. But to I me, think... looking at this, this does look like a black bear based on snout, size, and honestly, fur color. And I'm mm -hmm. aware that this is a game camera. Well, and that it little looks like a bear. Yeah, that little thumbnail, by the way, is what the very clear bears look like. Yeah, on the same camera, which I think I think people don't realize how long black bears' legs are. So. I think sometimes well, they're like, but their legs is too long. Because, I mean, if they're like... They look longer when they're thinner, and that's what yes. leads me to believe this might be, like, the middle of the season or recently after hibernation. Yeah. Because if you've never seen a thick black bear, their legs do look shorter, but a thin black bear tends to look more like this. Yes. Do I think it looks weird? Absolutely. Do I think it's a Bigfoot... No, I don't. No. Not and even close. Honestly, if he had thought this through thoroughly, because this first picture is the first one that he released. If he th had thought it through thoroughly, he would have released that the second, second picture. One, which looks much freakier. It looks it more looks like wrong. a Bigfoot of the two. I think it's two. like Uncanny Valley. It it's just like, like it a doesn't weird look right. angle of a bear. <laughs> yeah. But I do believe it's which, a bear. Which, I mean, fuck. It could be camera garble. Yeah. Like It could be a human in a ghillie suit. Like... <laughs> Not to throw shade at Rick Jacobs, but, like... <laughs> I mean... <laughs> shade thrown. Yeah. In October of 2012, two siblings who were camping in Provo Canyon in Utah go on a hike and see what they think is a bear. They start filming it, um, and the video shows a large black animal hunched over, perhaps feeding or foraging. And then it stands up on two legs, and the two... Bolt. There's a recurring theme here. I, bears stand on two legs yes. too. Okay, yeah. and if you've never seen it in person, it's not that bad. No, it's not. Bears go shuffling around, and I've had like my mom was taken. We were me and my mom were trading cars at one point. And it was like seven in the morning. Mm -hmm. or something super early in the middle of the summer so the sun was up but like i was very tired and so i drive to the top of the driveway and i stop and i look 
left and then I look right and to the right at the end of the driveway or at the end of the cul-de-sac is a dumpster and there is a black bear standing on its hind legs had been trying to get into the dumpster but had turned around and looked at me and me and this bear just look at each other for a second (laughs) and then the bear each other yeah and then the bear gets down and I'm like okay and so I back back down the driveway (laughs) like (laughs) it's that like split second like are we gonna have a problem or you're gonna have an issue here but the bear is like you leave me alone I'll leave you alone and I'm like yeah I'll leave you alone it's fine (laughs) yeah this is this was your home before it was my home, and although technically you probably were born for oh yeah this was a, this was a very young black bear but we got black bears in our neighborhood in spades oh, is what I'm God, saying yeah no and I've it's seen same I've seen black bears I've yeah. seen many of the black bears no I frequently have and to scare them off around my property too I will say people also describe the being watched thing we had this one night where i was taking the dog out alone at like 11 p.m well no it wasn't that late it was the middle of the winter so it felt like it was 11 p.m but it was actually like 8 probably 30, like nine seven <laughs> yeah and um so i come out and the dog like it's immediately we come outside and it is silent which is not usually a good sign in the forest <laughs> yeah like i'm saying no birds no like like, little chittering no dog noises well it's like and in winter it's like okay yeah it's silent but there's still noise yes and And to hear nothing yeah is a very disconcerting feeling immediately unsettling yes the dog makes it about halfway up the driveway and then stops pricks its ears up and stares up at the top of the driveway which by the way i can see nothing because like, it's dark and as there's fuck in the street light this at the top of my driveway has not worked in years and will not work for years to come i'm sure but like i was pretty sure in that moment like there's probably a bear at the top of the driveway that i can't see because the bear is probably black and everything else is black so like so i went inside and about an hour later i tried taking him out again and there were dogs barking you know noises of the forest existed and he was totally fine so (laughs) there are those moments where like yeah something was there was it bigfoot no (laughs) like was it a predator probably (laughs) (laughs) almost certainly more than likely so this is like goes to say about black bears (laughs) you know I, because I, I will not contest that it's a weird fucking photo. The, yes. Specifically the one on the right. And yes. honestly, the one, because on, the one on the left, it's a fucking black bear. It's so yeah. very obviously a black bear. The one on the right, it's just a really weird angle. Yes. And it almost looks like it was moving as the camera took the shot. Yes. And that's why to and me I it looks be... weird. It's like, have you never seen. A, a person walking during a panoramic shot mm-hmm. weird things happen yes and i will admit that looks a lot more human like just the pose of that than that yeah. other one but i still think that it is more than likely a bear yeah so the when this video was uploaded to youtube the poster says quote on our way up we thought we saw a bear until the monster stood up and looked right at us we ran straight to the car after that leaving our tent and everything behind end quote a year later, they Is started... Is this the Utah, the Provo Canyon Bigfoot yes. encounter? Okay. Um, a year later, they started a Kickstarter to investigate other Bigfoot sightings in Utah, which I felt was worthy of mentioning. Have you already started watching? Yeah, you can see nothing in this video, by the way. <laughs> Jesus. Oh my god. Motion sickness. Yeah. Which is impressive, considering I don't get motion sick. I do, but usually it's just in the... When Real. movies are trying to be like cynic, cinematic with the moving, it's a fucking bear. Yeah. Okay, I will admit it did stand up a little weird, but I think it was more like a shot of the back of it standing up. Because normally, I, mm-hmm. mm, Alaska back 
black bears are not quite that large. No. <laughs> so I will give them well, that. But it's also, it uh, looks weird from a distance. And it's also weird. Like, when we watch videos, there is something to be said about not really being able to tell scale necessarily. Yes. So. Oh, I mean, here's my thing. Again, I'll give it to him. It looks weird. Because so. I think it was more like the way that it stood up was very it's disconcerting. It's like alarming, yes. It was just like... <laughs> it's like... So if you're just like seeing that, you're just like... Yeah. I'm if you danger. catch that moment, you're like, oh shit. Like... Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so that happened in 2012. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Also in 2012, a lone hiker in Provo Canyon, same area, mm-hmm. spots a large animal in the woods and starts filming. When he got closer, the animal stood up on its hind legs and started throwing rocks at him, which is supposedly a trademark of Bigfoot. Was it? Yeah. <laughs> or more so, I'm like, oh, oh did yeah, it. yeah, did it, honey. did it, yeah, did it, wee wee. Well, he apparently has footage of this. This is like I found it so like obnoxious to try and find some of this footage that I gave up after three. So, <laughs> gotcha. So, additionally, Josh Highcliffe, a local of Mississippi, was hunting on his property and captured a video of a creature seemingly foraging in the swamp. He posted it to YouTube asking for help identifying the creature or for a prankster to come forward, saying he's afraid to go back into the woods, which. Fair enough. <laughs> um, this is known as the High Cliff Skunk Cape or the Mississippi Bigfoot. And he had posted it, by the way, under the title, I think I saw a skunk cape. Please help. Which this is, again, just, you can't really see what's up. But you can sort of see it. I mean, I'm going to be real with you. Here's where I push the re- It looks like a gorilla. Honest to God, scared. And there's, like, I'm going to be posting clips of these or links to these. This is a swamp. Uh, he says you can literally in Mississippi, see but, like, splash some, something in the water splashes. But I think people don't realize sometimes how effective bears and, like, cats and just animals, animals in general are. But especially, like, bears with their lips just like fucking hold on to shit you know yeah but i am gonna be real this looks like a gorilla which would be weird in pennsylvania you mean mississippi yes mississippi (laughs) it's wait for it to stand up yeah when it stands up that's like the legs look a little too long there's the thing is that they get they get these people are super good at like getting just just long enough footage of just the thing like existing around that by the time it stands up you're like oh god (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's like it's just very sudden so i just kind of looked up a video of a gorilla standing up i don't know yeah they're not the same i mean i mean no 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 seriously they don't get super tall come here the legs Mm -hmm. it's not that far different just weird thing is gorillas have not fairly sold. short legs yeah, yeah i'm not sold on any of this <laughs> but but neither do bears yeah typically their hind legs and their front legs are the same distance mm-hmm. or same length we've we've touched on one of these themes that come up in a lot of these videos and live science uh summarizes it pretty well saying quote unfortunately People filming Bigfoot have a tendency to suddenly jerk the camera and run away just as they're about to get a good view of one. Understandable if the creature exists, but convenient if they're creating a hoax, end quote. That's a good statement. Yep. So it is noted by many on either side of this debate that the creatures look like, or look a lot like creatures we are familiar with. You know, gorillas, bears, whatever. Mm-hmm. So Daniel Loxton, a staff writer for Skeptic Magazine, says that many cryptids and mythical creatures are similar to animals that did or do exist. For example, bears, primates, dinosaurs. Because once folklore of these creatures exist, the possibility of misidentification exists. For example, 
seeing a bear and thinking Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. Um, Daniel R. Prothero, who is a paleontologist and also trained in biology and geology, who once wrote a book with Daniel Loxton, <laughs> um, said, quote, these animals look like something familiar to us because the myths grow around whatever we've already just seen, end quote. So basically, you get yourself into a... <laughs> Into a cycle of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Cycle of reinforcement, I guess. Yeah. But anyway. Believers will point out that the sightings come from people of all age groups, socioeconomic backgrounds, and education levels, and say that lends credibility to them as it rules out pranksters and crazies. Crazies in quotes. It does. Yeah. <laughs> there's crazies in every single yeah. socioeconomic group. Well, when and I And there's read pranksters that, in every fucking group. Thank you. When I read that, I was like, mental illness and pranksters are not limited to certain demographics, so I don't know what you're trying to say. <laughs> yes, um, thank you. That's that's a much better way of saying what I was saying. Yeah. Because I wrote the script, so I had more time to think about it. But yeah, I was like, bro. So I don't think that lends any sort of credence to it it just means that people of all demographics want bigfoot to exist so skeptics believe that witnesses may misidentify animals like bears on their hind legs i found this really interesting (laughs) many hoax photos are small models about the size of action figures which are placed in natural settings after being molded to fit witness descriptions oh it's like that uh oh god there's this one kid on tiktok and he um i think it's a he i apologize i know it's a young person um but he does these like photo shoots of these model cars but they're really oh, good yes i know yeah. what you're talking about yeah and they look really real and then he shows like how he makes them and it's the same thing it's using scale models yes i mean but then you look at simple things like claymation or it's like you know um the uh, hog or hogwarts and how they filmed some of the scenes there. Mm-hmm. It's a model castle. Yeah. Sorry, just yeah. Kind of... Well, yeah, you can use scale to do pretty much anything you want, and I think that makes it so that people don't consider that option. Mm-hmm. But it is how a lot of the hoaxes happen. Yeah. Um, skeptics will also wonder how the evidence has not gotten any better. Quote, despite the exponential increase in the quality and quantity of cameras, end quote, which you brought up. <laughs> yeah. So the thing, the other thing of many about <laughs> eyewitness testimonies, eyewitness accounts, is that pretty much all scientists agree they're not reliable. Zoologists will generally attribute sightings to hoaxes, hallucinations, or misidentifications. How Stuff Works says, quote, Impressions are highly subjective, skeptics note, and may be skewed when a person has heard a bunch of stories about a strange creature in the woods. End quote. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, it's like, it's the same purpose that when you're sitting on a jury for a um, trial Hold or something. Hold that thought. Hold that thought. Oh, okay. <laughs> It'll fit in better later. <laughs> okay. So Flo Foxton, who is a data scientist, has actually shown that most Bigfoot sightings in the U.S. and Canada are probably American black bears. (laughs) So he's he's done, like, studies of Bigfoot sightings and, you know, where they are more popular based on, like, patterns of where populations of black bears are. And it's pretty cool. Pretty significant. Yeah. But I won't get into it. (laughs) He shows that there is generally one Bigfoot sighting expected for every 900 black bears in a given area. Yeah. (laughs) It's worth noting that the sightings, like, in areas such as Florida or Texas, where there are low to no black bear populations, are not explained by this. But those can be explained as misidentifications of other animals or of humans. (laughs) Um, It is also likely that sightings in Asia are misidentifications of Asian black bears, Tibetan brown bears, and Himalayan brown bears covered in snow. Foxton says, quote, in conclusion, if Bigfoot is out there, it may be many bears, end quote. <laughs> this guy is also my hero. <laughs> I love that. I'm actually really... Like, I thought about I wrapping that. up this whole episode with that because it's just so powerful to me. <laughs> but So going back to eyewitness testimony, even if you remember exactly what happened with perfect precision, 
that cannot be proven by you telling someone with no other evidence. You know? Yep. Live science says, quote, in crime cases, for example, witnesses can be influenced by their emotions and may miss or distort important details. In the same vein, people often overestimate their ability to remember things, end quote. So now your jury thing. So I was going to say, because it's like when you're on a jury, the whole thing is that they're very specific about you and the information that you're allowed to consume like you're specifically told do not look up information about this case do not do not read the news media do not do any of these things that could potentially harm your bias on this case that's Mm -hmm. why the the selection for juries takes so long and they do high profile cases yes and such and take such like rigorous like questions because it's they're trying to determine for both the prosecution and the defense who is going to be the least biased in their decision making and who is like least likely to go and develop a bias outside of the courtroom Mm -hmm. there's the reason that they tell you that is so that you do not formulate an opinion or a bias and that is the same thing that happens when like you look at this so it's like when you have when you take a look at honestly any point throughout history whether you're talking about like pirates or seafaring times or they're talking about the kraken it's when you have an idea of what something's supposed to look like your brain sends you these mini like synapse impulses to try and rationalize what you're seeing Mm -hmm. and so what that does is your brain is essentially tricking you into perceiving information in a way that is understandable to your brain Mm -hmm. and that is what happens with this bias in conclusion loxton says quote there's only so much i can do with your personal experience that i did not share i accept that it's compelling to you but it cannot be as compelling to me end quote which i thought was a very concise way of explaining no absolutely how eyewitness yeah. testimonies are not always especially in like bigfoot cases <laughs> yeah it's well eyewitnesses are historically notoriously unreliable, unreliable no, yeah yes. notoriously un- unreliable and that is even in crime cases this that's why if there's one eyewitness that's why like if your spouse vouches for your alibi that's usually not or that's not always like definitive proof they yeah. will that will not rule you out as a suspect if the only person who can verify your alibi is one person or one, especially if they're really close to you, a yeah. family member, a spouse. Yeah. Yeah. Versus if a, you're in if, a party or like you're, you're at a party stage, and 15 people yeah. see you or better yet, if you're on fucking camera. Yes. So with that, we are going to take another quick ad break. So, the next thing I want to bring up is um, prints, whether that be handprints or footprints, which is really the only things I talked about, I think. Mm. But apparently some body prints have also supposedly been found. So, okay, yeah. <laughs> These footprints have been found in a variety of different sizes, but before we really get into it, I wanted to make a quick note that they are... They tend to measure up to 24 inches or 60 centimeters long and 9 inches or 20 centimeters wide. That tends to be the widest and longest. Gotcha. In 1951, British explorer Eric Earl Shipton was trekking through the Himalayas when he found a large print in the snow and snapped a picture. This is also in my, uh, in my pictures folder. It's the one in the snow, and I'm not going to mention anything before I get your reaction to it. Okay. (laughs) So in 2014, um, Christie's Auction House in London sold the original picture um, for almost $5,000. I don't know about you, but that does not look like a real footprint to me. It sure don't. Yeah. So one of the things that I don't think I actually wrote in my script, but that I did definitely want to mention, is that a lot of these prints are criticized for being too clean, like too perfect. Like, 
when you take a step in snow, you're not focusing on making a perfect print. Like, I don't know if... No, there's drag, there's... Yeah, especially at the toe, you put your foot down and then you drag your toe for a second, you know? Yeah. Especially if your foot goes into the snow. Yeah, and you wonder if they actually walking snow. Yeah. And I don't mean like, oh, a centimeter of snow, which is also interesting to me because this is not a very deep footprint. No, And yeah. typically with something that has a lot of weight, it's going to make a much more dense footprint, and I don't see that indicated mm-hmm. here. Just Although you do kind of see a human footprint in that bottom left, left, yes, bottom left corner, which doesn't, which also doesn't go all the way into the snow, but it does look like it cracked off yeah some of that snow drift regardless though what struck me about that footprint Mm -hmm. is that it does not look like a the thing was walking like if a a bigfoot or a yeti did make that print it looks like they were deliberately making a print you know yeah, which, I mean, I mean, granted, we're all kind of guilty of doing that sometimes. Oh, yeah. Where it's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to make, like, a... But it's like, how convenient would that be to yeah. find them playing in the snow, making a very specific footprint? Because well, and it's you would like, think oh, you would find a bunch of... Because I've done that when I'm, like, waiting but for someone. do it, and I do, yeah. like, ten of them. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, I to don't find know. just one. Yes. Not very eight. convenient so that's what i will say <laughs> yeah um in november of 1967 um this is when the patterson gimlin film came out roger patterson of the patterson gimlin film claims to find footprints near bluff creek he took casts of these um they measured 18 inches long which is 45.7 centimeters and 9.2 inches or 23.3 centimeters wide. I also have a picture of those with Robert Patterson's foot for comparison. Now, I will also note here that the same same shit applies about that not looking like a walking It just footprint. looks like it's scaled up. It's yes. literally all it is. It, <laughs> and actually, what's most concerning about this photo is that the foot shape looks identical. Mm-hmm. That's not even a <laughs> well, joke. Other... It looks the fucking same, just scaled up 1.5. The other thing that was mentioned about all of these footprints being so clean mm-hmm. is specifically that they look like a domestic human who has walked around in shoes their whole life. Thank you, for fuck's yes. sake. It's like... <laughs> First of all... in. In this picture, it's not quite as obvious, but, like, in a lot of these prints, the toes are really close together. So, first of all, I was seeing one scientist um, who I think his name was Darren Nash, off the top of my head. One of the things is that if you are walking around barefoot a great deal of the time, your toes will start to splay out more, you know? And especially if you're walking in the woods a lot, your toes will be splaying out more. The other thing is that if you're not walking around in shoes all the de- all the time, you're going to build up calluses and, you know, you're going to have cuts and scars and your feet are going to look gnarled. Your toes are going to be sticking in odd directions. If you don't have medical care, if you break a toe, your toe is going to heal in a, a weird, weird direction. Yeah. <laughs> and so many of these prints, there are a couple exceptions where the toes are sticking in weird directions and they're gnarled. But those are questionable for different reasons. <laughs> um, most prints are questionable because they are so perfect. And you would not expect a perfect foot in for somebody. something that grew up in, in the, the wilderness. Woods, yeah. And the other thing is that they vary, like I said, very widely in size and, yeah, you know. In the summer of 1970, Ivan Marks finds a supposed handprint north of Colville, Washington. This print measured 12.7 inches or 32.3 centimeters long and 10.4 inches or 26.5 centimeters wide. So that is the only other photo that I stuck in. And I don't know. Yeah, it looks 
like somebody curling their knuckles, curling their fingers into me, you know? Yeah. I just think it's like, it looks a little too humanoid for me. Where I'm yeah. Like... But again, it's the whole seeing what you want to see. Yes. So Grover Krantz was a professor of physical anthropology at Washington State University why did I know you were going to say anthropology? I don't know why, but I was immediately <laughs> like, it's going to be anthropology. Yeah. And he was a leading authority in hominid evolution and primate bone structure. And he believed that this print would be too difficult to fake. It is important to note that Krantz was a firm believer in Bigfoot. <laughs> Again, believing yeah, what you want to believe. Bias just here. <laughs> and um, he... I I do love this man because he would spend his free time in the woods with a gun, literally Bigfoot hunting, <laughs> like literally hunting for Bigfoot. And get this popular King. mechanic says, quote, he rationalized this by saying it was the only way to get a, the scientific community to believe him and that technically it wasn't against the law. End quote. <laughs> I want to take this opportunity to mention something I didn't put in here. It's a, uh, there was a law proposed in either Washington or Oregon, and I want to say Washington, um, a law proposed of a Bigfoot hunting season because they, like, the, the reason proposed by the politicians that suggested this is that it would bring more- Oh, the politicians more, suggested it. Yes. <laughs> is that it would bring more, um, tourism to the area, <laughs> especially if combined with a, uh, a Bigfoot festival at the same time. Which I mean, I, I guess the proposition. I would go. I would do it. We would take that field trip. I would take you. <laughs> <laughs> Just want to point out, this is not like you're saying. It's like you're. It's not. I want to go there not, for the fun of going there. I know, but it's it's not like you're saying like, oh, I want you to come. It's no, you're coming with you're me. You're coming. Period. <laughs> you get no choice. <laughs> Which is the funniest part of it too, because it's like I would go with you, but mainly because it's like. Ollie and I have the type of friendship. I'm the protector friend. I'm the fucking muscle. You would be the person who is actually hunting Bigfoot. I would be the person with be... the Bigfoot whistle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and the beer and... <laughs> you would be the person I, I know with the exactly high-vis vest. <laughs> and I would be the person already running into the woods as you're putting it on. <laughs> Well, okay, because, like, the high-vis vest is only so I don't get shot. Yes. <laughs> That's literally the only thing. And even then, it's like, eh. Mm -hmm. But yeah. I just love that. <laughs> so, back to the handprint. You ever wonder what it's like to be friends with Holly? Yeah. <laughs> that sums it up. Yes. I'm the child that wanders off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is, you know, it's so funny to me, because it's like, you are the oldest sibling yes. and i'm the youngest sibling and i just find that a really interesting dichotomy um well it's because you have found somebody you can be the oldest sibling to and i have found somebody i can be the younger sibling to <laughs> that's true <laughs> that's true but anyway <laughs> the original <sighs> museum catalog card of this handprint cast has the note quote this quote handprint quote or end quote it's almost certainly not genuine, end quote. <laughs> so nice. I thought that was fun. That is fun. In 1980, also locals in Johnstown found an 18 inch or 45 centimeter long footprints near the or near a residential home. Reports in the area around the same time reported a strong, unusual odor and odd noises. This was really kind of one of the only sightings that i saw that mentioned the odor which again it's like that could still lend to bears and stuff because if you've never had an outdoor encounter with a bear there's a fucking smell mm -hmm. <laughs> bear smell whoa crazy in the 1980s a u.s forest service employee found footprints in the blue mountains of washington some people point to these as undeniable proof that Bigfoot exists because of the dermal ridges. For those of you that don't know, dermal ridges are where sweat pores open on the palms of the soles. And they're kind of like, they're the 
they're the ridges that make fingerprints you know <laughs> yeah and a lot of people including grover krantz feel that they are they would be extremely hard to fake and krantz felt that at least some of the prints that he saw were authentic because of the dermal ridges what i will say is that if you were making these prints with your hand or your foot there would be dermal ridges <laughs> You know, but plaster casts of these prints, like I've been saying, vary so widely in shape and configuration that they point to independent pranks and hoaxers rather than actual genuine cases. (laughs) Giant footprints are relatively easy to fake um, by molding feet out of plaster and attaching them to the bottom of some shoes and walking with long or leaping strides a la Ray Wallace, the hero. (laughs) king so let us move on to the noises of the bigfoot so there are (laughs) there are times when people describe noises unlike any other animal they'd ever heard in the woods but not seeing anything (laughs) but like deer don't sound like people think that deer sound no neither do foxes that's why the whole what does the fox thing which is so funny because I want to tell you as soon as you're like, oh, Bigfoot noises, the the reaction I was having over here was my attempt to not start screaming because yes. I was just like, unironically, I just was like, oh, that's going to be funny. If we ever, like, do anything beyond this, we need to go Bigfoot hunting. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I get you. So... In the Himalayas, I thought this was interesting. More people report hearing the Yeti um, than seeing it. Some recordings do exist in the U.S. and the Himalayas, and I'm assuming Canada as well. Um, in 2019, this is the only example I have, is that in 2019, a YouTube video of howls and screams in the forest in northwest Ontario, Canada, went viral. Ontario's Ministry of Resources and Forestry said that their biologists believe it could be a large animal, like a wolf, but it's too far away to be sure. I didn't add it because I didn't feel like finding it. (laughs) But, you know. It is worth noting that Grover Krantz never found a recording that he felt was compelling. Noises can easily be faked by using computer programs, altering the sounds from animals or humans, and most can be attributed to node animals, such as coyotes or foxes, or humans. (laughs) So, this last section in the proof category (laughs) is forensics. (laughs) Which I feel is, um, generous. (laughs) Um, So, including, like, bodies and shit. (laughs) So... In 1968, Frank Hansen, who was a showman, um, exhibited the Iceman, or also known as the Cyberskoya creature or the Missing Link, a supposed frozen body of a Bigfoot-like creature he said was found in the sea near Siberia. Um, It was a resounding success for him and his family, who charged people to see it in Chicago. The Royal Institute of Natural Sciences in Belgium were asked to examine it, or were able to examine it, I should say, and felt it compelling enough that they wrote a paper on discovering a new species, Homo hongoids. But Hansen would not let the Smithsonian see it and eventually replaced it with a replica. In May of 1969, the Smithsonian contacted a bunch of Hollywood prop houses, and one admitted to making the creature in 1967. After this and examining the photos, the Smithsonian came out with a statement announcing it was, quote, satisfied that the creature is simply a carnival exhibition made of latex rubber and hair, end quote. Hmm. And I didn't really hear of any response to that by Hanson, which implies to me that there wasn't one, (laughs) but... Yeah. But I could have just missed it. Well, because it's like, it's almost safer to not say anything and just kind yeah. of ignore it. Mm-hmm. That is also a uh, tactic used by a lot of Bigfoot believers. Yeah. It's just to just not acknowledge. <laughs> just, <laughs> you can't see me, I can't see you. Yeah. Or I can't see you, you can't see me. So in 2008, Rick Dyer and Matthew Witten claimed that they had f- a frozen body 
of a Bigfoot. Does this sound familiar yet? Yes. <laughs> they claimed that they found it while hiking in the woods in northern Georgia, but it turned out to be a rubber gorilla suit. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold yes, on. Yes, I know exactly where you're going to go. Hold on. <laughs> Frozen in Georgia? Yes. I apologize. It's going to be really loud to edit out. But I would just... <laughs> doesn't get that cold in Georgia. No, does it doesn't. No, no, I can confirm. <laughs> I saw it snow once in Georgia. <laughs> so, <laughs> in 2012... <laughs> I'm just having a mental breakdown over here. It's fine. So in 2012, Rick Dyer, does this sound familiar yet, <laughs> claimed to have shot another Bigfoot in San Antonio, Texas. He took it on tour in 2014, charging people to see it. Does this sound familiar? <laughs> um, and then admitted it was also fake. <laughs> Which Rick Dyer, my man. <laughs> and it's like, how do you handle those claims? Like, do you have to, like, pay people back? I don't know. I don't think... I don't think that it is something that a lawyer would defend you on. Do you know what I mean? If yeah. you came to someone and were like, this dude just admitted, I paid to see this Bigfoot, and now he's admitted it is fake, I think the lawyer would be like, please get out of my office. <laughs> be like, leave. In 2013, a Utah man discovered what he believed to be a fossilized Bigfoot skull. A paleontologist confirmed it was... a rock. <laughs> This wouldn't be one of my episodes without a rock purported to be proof. So <laughs> so that's all I got on that, but, like, I had to add it, you know? <laughs> like, I've lost my mind. What? Oh, man, I found this. I found this skull. And can you imagine the paleontologist being like, nah, brah, that's a rock. <laughs> No, no, I think it's a... No, it's a rock. <laughs> You're dumb. It's a rock. There have also been claims... So questions. Yes. <laughs> like... And also... Like, you losing your will to live yet? <laughs> tiny bit. I'm just like, was it... I'm it was curious. an oddly weathered rock is specifically what they said. Okay, because I was going to say, because it's like, were there tool marks and someone was just trying to be like... <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. There have been also claims of finding hair, blood, skin scrapings, bone fragments, and other shit, you know, forensics. Mm -hmm. <laughs> One veterinarian claimed to have shown in a study that some hairs were hybrid species between humans and an unknown hominid 13,000 years ago, but her claims are pretty universally ridiculed by the scientific community as a whole. It is worth noting that they were only ever published by a non-peer-reviewed journal in the only study ever published by this previously non-existent publication. <laughs> Peer review of this study shows that the findings are likely based on contaminated samples collected by inexperienced gatherers who, you know, touched it with their bare hands, sneezed, coughed, whatever. The FBI, um, this is wild to me. Does this sound wild to you yet? Yes. The FBI. The second you said FBI, I just, a, another little part of me just died. died. So the FBI was sent a sample of a proposed Bigfoot hair attached to a small piece of skin in 1976, and as a favor, decided to analyze it. They discovered it was a deer hair and declassified the file in 2019. Some believers say that the FBI wouldn't have done the analysis if they didn't believe Bigfoot was out there, but in reality, the FBI has no evidence of Bigfoot and was just doing it for the heck of it. Also worth noting Mood. that he was in 1976 when they sent the results back to the dude who sent them in, and the dude did not comment on those results until the file was declassified. So, did he not want anyone to know? Probably. <laughs> Yeah, because, oh my god, what does that say? It doesn't lend credibility to his no. fucking thing. Yeah. Crazy that that would... <laughs> mm -hmm. And that is like, people are like, the FBI has a file on Bigfoot. Yes, it has one file, and this was it. <laughs> so One file. <laughs> singular file. A research team from the University of Oxford, England, found in 2014 that out of 36 hair samples ostensibly from Bigfoot or the Yeti, 
almost all were cows, raccoons, deer, or humans. The other two were closely matched to an extinct Paleolithic polar bear, which is awesome. amazing. <laughs> and That's cool. Could, yeah, I thought that was super cool. I want to do more research on this, frankly. <laughs> but, um, but they hypothesized that it could have been from an unknown or hybrid bear species, but regardless, was not primate, and therefore was not Bigfoot. Which is so funny to me, because it's like, well, realistically, it's like, all we're doing is we're assuming that Bigfoot is a primate. It's a primate, yes. <laughs> so I think, you know, we'll get into... I think bit, that's really but, interesting you know, that, it's that it's just yeah. similar trains of thought there. It's pretty cool. Anyway, we are going to take this opportunity to take our last ad break of the episode. We'll be back with our conclusions and shit. Belief that Bigfoot is plausible occasionally stems from the existence of gorillas today and the past existence of the now extinct Gigantopithecus, which was a 9-foot or 2.7-meter-tall hominid, which existed 1 to 9 million years ago. They were native to current Central and Southeast Asia. We know that they were larger than gorillas and had teeth like humans. Many people believe that if Bigfoot does exist, it is a direct descendant of Gigantopithecus. I'm sorry, by the way. <laughs> Trying to pronounce that shit. Not a fan of that name, can I just say. Yeah. There is no evidence of primates evolving in the Americas, so if it does exist, it had to have come over on the ice bridge between Asia and North America, like early humans. On the evolutionary tree, um, Gigantopithecus is most closely related to orangutans, which share characteristics with Bigfoot. For example, having long reddish-brown hair, curiosity about human activities, not that vocal, but will make howling calls to alert others to their presence. They are also, orangutans, I mean, are different from other primates in that they live solitary lives as adults, only meeting up to reproduce, and so are widely dispersed in areas that and rarely run into each other. How Stuff Works says, quote, it makes sense that an intelligent animal that prefers to be alone would retreat into the deep woods or up into the mountains as human civilization encroached on its territory. And if it were smart enough, it could conceivably hide from humans or for hundreds and hundreds of years, end quote. I will also say that if we have been evolving for the same amount of time that this Bigfoot has been evolving... There's no reason why... to say that it's not intelligent. Yes. Well, but also, why would we have civilization and they wouldn't? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Some say that it is possible that if Bigfoots are widely dispersed with long lifespans, bones would only show up every once in a while and may be missed because of lack of full-scale scientific research. Dr. Jane Goodall admitted that there is a good possibility that large, undiscovered primates exist. Why do I know that name? Jane Goodall? Yeah. She's like the person who did all the chimp research. Okay. Yeah. I'm like, She's I'm like, the, I know I know that name. I yeah. just couldn't remember why. The chimp scientist. <laughs> Jane Goodall said in 2002, quote, you'll be amazed when I tell you, I'm sure that they exist. I've talked to so many Native Americans who've all described the same sound, two who've seen them, end quote. So generally, if we have so little evidence, why do people continue to believe in cryptids? One pessimistic viewpoint from Prothero, who I mentioned earlier, the paleontologist, mm -hmm. said, quote, Lately, cryptozoology has been connected to creationism in a lot of ways. People who actively search for Loch Ness monsters or Mokele Mbembe do it entirely as creationist ministers. They think that if they found a dinosaur in the Congo, it would overturn all of evolution. It wouldn't. It would just be a late-occurring dinosaur. But that's their mistaken notion of evolution. End quote. Most people, though, seem to believe that it is just exciting to believe in Bigfoot. <laughs> like, humans obsess over exploration... We idolize the adventurers of old, but most of the world is believed to be discovered, and people feel that there is nothing left to be discovered. So believing in Bigfoot, quote, restores some mystery to the world and gives ordinary people the chance to be adventurous explorers, end quote. Searching for Bigfoot channels, quote, the frontier spirit of the early U.S., and, quote, as well as to appropriate Native American traditions, end quote. That's from Smithsonian. <laughs> yeah. So I thought, that, you know, there's a lot of sass in the Smithsonian. So 
Big fan. Scientists tend to point out that there is still a good deal of the planet left undiscovered, such as oceans and tropical rainforests, estimating thousands of plants and animals have yet to be discovered in these places. How Stuff Works says, quote, People are particularly interested in an undiscovered ape man for the same reason they are fascinated by humanoid extraterrestrials. We are drawn to the idea of human-like creatures with human-like intelligence because it means that we are not alone in the universe. Some people believe these beings might be able to enlighten us about our own history. You can see this desire in the ancient folklore surrounding Sasquatch and Yeti. In these traditions, the creature has wisdom beyond our own and could provide us with spiritual guidance, end quote. Honestly, can I, like, real talk for a second? I think part of it is I think people are just, like, horny. Yeah. <laughs> can I put that in? <laughs> Please. I genuinely think... No, I genuinely it, believe that is some of it. Like, I, there is a massive part of me that are that is, like, people want there to be humanoid extraterrestrials and humanoid Bigfoots because they want to be the person to be, like, I fucked Bigfoot. Yeah. And it's, like... I think there have What? Been. I think there have been. But I anyway, okay, hold on. Can you elaborate on your statement of I think there have been? I think there have been those statements, but I think they are um, frowned upon, especially by believers. <laughs> it is also interesting to imagine how humans may have turned out if we evolved differently. Or some people believe that it just symbolizes pure freedom, that Bigfoot lives in the woods. By instinct, free from capitalism, evading humans at every turn. <laughs> Living the dream. <laughs> no comment. Yeah. <laughs> so, while we're on this train, let's take a trip back to high school science and the scientific method. So, let's, I want to quickly analyze how zoologists versus cryptozoologists handle evidence <laughs> so zoology a science begins with the assumption that a new idea is incorrect and uses a scientific method of a series of controlled studies to test the idea and abandon it if it does not stand up to scrutiny cryptozoology a pseudoscience generously begins with the assumption that a creature does exist thus contaminating any scientific rigor that follows <laughs> This is why scientists will abandon theories that don't stand up, and cryptozoologists won't. So, skeptics say that the creature likely couldn't go undetected so close to inhabited areas um, for hundreds of years, and they believe it is more likely that multiple independent hoaxers have built up a collection of false evidence. Of course, um, entire organizations do exist dedicated to recording sightings and attempting to prove Bigfoot's existence, but no bones or any conclusive proof has ever been found. Believers, this bugs the hell out of me, will parrot the phrase, the absence of evidence is not evidence of absence. I'm going to let you process that for a second. The absence of evidence is not the evidence of absence? Yes. Basically, just because you don't have any proof that something isn't there doesn't mean it's not there. I phrased that wrong, but you know. In theory, I get what they're getting at. I get what they're saying. I just don't agree with the methodology, I guess. The thing here is that um, Prothero, about a different kind of cryptid, said, there are plenty of places where they should show up if they actually lived, but they don't. That, to me, is not just absence of evidence. That's very strong evidence that they don't exist. End quote. And Loxton, in reply to that, says, quote, If the claim that you are advancing implies some sort of evidence, then failing to find that kind of evidence is evidence that that thing does not exist. Take, for example, the idea that there might be plesiosaurs in Loch Ness. Well, plesiosaurs have bones. That implies that there should be bones littering the loch. Well, they've dredged the loch to see if there are any monster bones down there, any plesiosaur bones, and there aren't. That goes to the truth of the claim, end quote. I do think it's worth mentioning that the believers tend to also find hoaxes frustrating because they feel it is harder to get people to focus on what they consider real evidence. These are also, it is worth noting, echoes of the frustrations towards technological advancements in general. See, deepfakes, misinformation. <laughs> Yo, deepfakes are crazy. They are wild. They make me terrified of the future, but anyway. <laughs> I also would be remiss if I didn't mention 
that some believers also think that Bigfoots are aliens with cloaking devices or portal-making abilities, or maybe that they are paranormal beings or spirits. <laughs> to the believers' um, credit, most of them... Don't believe this. Don't believe this, and also are... I think annoyed is the kindest term <laughs> about these people. <laughs> but there are certain of these people who are genuine, like who believe this, this whole like aliens thing mm -hmm. who are genuinely like cult leader esque sort of figures who like their followers were sent death threats to people who say no. <laughs> there was one dude who owns a bookstore and has spoken out against this dude. I'm not naming names because I don't want to, Receive, receive a gunshot at my home but um <laughs> but there have been f shots fired at this dude's bookstore and there's nothing the linking necessarily conclusively these gunshots to this cult essentially but, but the general consensus is that's what's up yeah <laughs> and that's scary yeah so that's like come on bro <laughs> I want to wrap up with a quote from Prothero to Nat Geo when he was asked, what can science tell us about cryptids? Prothero replied, quote, the first thing, of course, is that a cryptid can't be a single animal. If there's one of them, there's got to be many of them. You can talk about their population density, the size and range they should have based on their estimated body size. All of that tends to weigh against them being real because they should have had huge ranges and they should have been spotted a long time ago if they really did exist. And then there's other aspects, like geology, something you never hear the cryptozoologist mention. All the lake monsters, not just Loch Ness, but the ones here in North America, in Lake Chamberlain and Lake George, were all under a mile of ice 20,000 years ago. The cryptozoologist never asked the question, well, how did the monster get in the lake if the lake was completely under ice, the lakes are all landlocked, and there's no way for a marine creature to get there at all? Those are all things that are not news to geologists. They're not news to biologists, but they're apparently news to cryptozoologists, end quote. Nice. So. <laughs> I love the subtle shade that yes. they bring. And this same dude, by the way, when asked, like, are there any cryptids you want to believe in? He and um, Loxton both said, oh, yeah, all of them. <laughs> he specifically said, yeah, I'm a paleontologist. I would love it if there were dinosaurs in Loch Ness and in the Congo. Sick. Anything else you want to mention? I just am, you know, I, I am totally down for it. It's like, you know, believe what you want to believe. But mm -hmm. it's like. This is not something I believe is harming anybody. Yeah. Unless, Unless it's, it's the cult people. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, there's no harm in believing what you believe. And at the end of the day, if it brings you joy and, like, excitement to your life where you're like, yeah, dude, that'd be sick if that were real. Yeah. Then awesome. And if you want to spend your time trying to prove that they exist, totally chill. Because there is still so much of the land world that hasn't been discovered mm -hmm. um but also in the same vein it's like there's so much of the ocean that hasn't been discovered so i'm totally down for it's like anything that's in the interest of discovery i'm totally with it as long as it's not harming somebody else or anything like that i'm totally down and that's just kind of my viewpoint on it personally do i yeah. believe in bigfoot nah yeah that's kind and of is that I chill too. yeah i'm still into the aesthetic of bigfoot yeah no for sure but if anybody was expecting me to come out of this like coming out of the uh, Yatlov Pass episode going, mm. actually, I believe the conspiracies. No, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry to disappoint. <laughs> sorry to break it to you. Yeah. Not that type of person. My goodness. Okay. Do you want to say goodbye too? Meow. Do you have any thoughts on Bigfoot? Rocket. This has been The Case of Bigfoot. Thank you for listening to today's episode of A Wild Mystery Podcast Appears, recorded and produced by Ollie and Belle. Please check out all of our social media where we have additional information shared. You can find all of those links at our website at awmpa.com. We'd love to hear your feedback for our podcast, so be sure to rate and review. Tune in next week for another episode of A Wild Mystery Podcast Appears.